This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, Senator Gaza, an ICE masterclass once again, record SIBO profits for their 50th anniversary, and indeed a similar happy birthday at the half-century mark to the DTCC. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 193. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details via our fabulous new beta website, exchangeinvest.com. This week, rumours of a Gary Gensler Senate run in his native Maryland may just be wishful thinking amongst the crypto kiddies in the hope their inverse prodigal son might leave them in peace to get their own way. Meanwhile, John Tuttle has engaged in early discussions on running for a Senate seat in his native Michigan. Apparently, Rich Repetto is giving up the deck chair at the head of the queue for every analyst call. More interestingly still, the ICE masterclass explained a divine counter-cyclical, which makes ICE stock more attractive than ever. Record SIBO profits have dovetailed with their 50th anniversary, as we're also on the cusp of the 50th anniversary of the DTCC who managed T-plus-zero settlement on the cake, candles and related celebratory paraphernalia. Happy 50th birthday, DTCC, and of course, SIBO. In BitCarnage this week, over at Coinbase, a net loss of $79 million for the quarter apparently induced paroxysms of glee amongst investors. I am minded to ask the media reporting this unalloyed outpouring of joy where there are also women knitting baby petticoats just beside the gallows. The Coinbase quarterly letter, by the way, read to me uncomfortably like a direct communique from the Messiah. While launch of a Coinbase overseas venue in Bermuda doesn't appear to amount to a great deal, at least not right now. Meanwhile, Binance were accused of money laundering for terrorists, are under sanctions-breaking investigations by the US government, and they stopped withdrawals when there was a rush for the exit at one point earlier last week. Meanwhile, SBF demanded that 10 of the 13 charges relating to his activities at FTX, which were levelled against him, they should be dropped due to an extradition technicality. In other words, it's been another plus a change kind of week in BitCarnage. If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow BitCarnage as a standalone, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital asset markets, then you can find BitCarnage on Substack. Little brief personal note from me, as you may recall, a team led by yours truly, PLY, helped secure the license and build the X crowdfunding exchange platform headquartered in the Bahamas. As of the end of April, I resigned as an advisor to the exchange due to a recurring non-payment of arrears. I do hope the company can survive, but given our experience of non-payment, it is not, alas, clear what the futures holds. 
Nonetheless, I continue to be involved in New Market Builds the World Over and look forward to continuing to shape the markets of the future. Back to the headlines this week. DTCCs celebrate their 50th anniversary as critical market infrastructure provider to the global financial services industry. Happy birthday to DTCC. And indeed, as I mentioned earlier, it looks like the cake was delivered T plus zero. Is that the shape of things to come? Over in the City of London, they're bracing for new rules to transform London stock market's faltering appeal. Nikhil Ratti, who's of course the head of the FCA, as well as being a former head of the London Stock Exchange Division of London Stock Exchange Group, has been outlining plans from the UK main regulator to make the city more competitive. Nonetheless, the problem really seems to me, will the investors actually become more risk on? Elsewhere, Julia Hoggart, someone who we've been criticising of late. She, of course, is Nicol Ratti's successor as the boss of the London Stock Exchange unit. She was spot on last week, commenting on the fact that UK firms must pay bosses more. Indeed, unless or until Britain and indeed continental Europe get over the notion that paying for talent is part of business and not merely something that you're allowed to do if it's a football player, then it's a path to historical tourism and downhill economically to become a colder version of Argentina across the continent and the UK itself, regardless of who's in or out of the European Union. Over in India, the Supreme Court there has refused to intervene with The case of the High Court verdict, which granted bail to the former Mumbai top cop who is involved in the NSE phone tapping case. Results this week. Busy week for results in the parish. All the details were in Exchange Invest Daily. The newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, we're going to just look at some edited highlights. All the results were, of course, in Exchange Invest. Sign up now only $350 per user year at exchangeinvest.com. Intercontinental, they reported strong results for Q1 2023. And there were three useful insights from the latest ICE masterclass, their investor called precisely, well, it came six years to the day since the excellent Barney Reynolds chaired a Prosperity UK conference panel in London, where ICE chairman and CEO Jeff Sprecher made a huge impact alongside the excellent Michael Spencer. As a footnote, I have to say, PLY had the distinct honour of playing backing vocals during the course of that event, which can still be found on YouTube, City Stream, Stock Exchanges, Settlement and the Future of Euro Clearing at the Prosperity Conference. Anyway, back to the future. The no surprise surprise of the Q1 ICE results call, which were indeed good numbers, was a kind of cri de coeur that ICE still loves, that flat entrepreneurial kind of businesses that they can see out there, and they have an occasional wistful look in the rear mirror to those halcyon days before they bought and successfully integrated the world into their vast multi-billion dollar exchange group, which sits in the top tier of Young's Pyramid. Second update was the surprise news delivered at the very tail end of the call. Uh, Jeff, as always, thanked the conference call company staffer, Lauren, with a beguiling English accent this time around, for the record, and then thanked the man who has always had his towel on the first deck chair to ask a question pretty much in every parish results conference call ever. It seems Rich Repetto is moving on. Must admit I had not heard. It'll be interesting to hear where, as it seems he may be departing his perch, peeking into the parish. 
The third snippet is the most bullish for ICE. Essentially, sales in the mortgage tech business are helped by higher interest rates leading to a property and therefore mortgage issuance slowdown. Financial institutions intermediaries are then more eager to save money and thus may innovate more readily and buy ICE mortgage tech than they might do during go-go boom times. That's a brilliant piece of news for ICE as a group and it provides essentially the perfect counter-cyclical to the exchange business. As we all know, while new ETD product can be sold short as easily as bought long, the real politic of bear market redundancy is that he, she, who asks for new limits for a funky new derivatives product debuting in a sluggish market might as well have tattooed their forehead with glitter to form the phrase, please farm me. Other results this week, Acebo announced record results for Q1 2023 just as they celebrate their 50th anniversary. Net revenue up 13%. Elsewhere, there were a series of results. All of those were in Exchange Invest. There was also one delay of results, which is quite fascinating. The NSE, the National Stock Exchange of India, which after all has had all manner of problems in recent times, they're delaying their financial results being published. They're seeking time to do so until May the 15th. That seems a remarkably odd state of affairs. True enough, we can presume, of course, that NSE is solvent and so forth. Not always a given with every regulated exchange right now. But it does raise questions about just what might be awry, even if it is only the organisation management process for the regular accounts. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In new markets this week, well, it's not so much a new market, but it is a whole brave new world. The Northbound Swap Connect will start May 15th in the first stage of mutual access between Hong Kong and the mainland for interest rate swap markets. The RMB yield curve is going to be available via Hong Kong exchanges to mainland China. That's coming soon. Launch date for the first stage is May 15th. The product announcement of the year for what is the product development of the decade. Really exciting to see the Hong Kong RMB yield curve market develop. The ability to use international GCMs to trade RMB swaps and ultimately the full curve, including Hong Kong futures products, will create a phenomenal opportunity and a transformational cash cow for Hong Kong exchanges. And of course, that's without factoring in the direct Bond Connect, Equity Connect revenue opportunity for Hong Kong exchanges, which continues to grow. Full North-South can only add a whole new dimension for corporate fundraising across the world. Elsewhere in Asia, Indonesia are planning to launch their carbon exchange in the second half of 2023. They're awaiting governance details being hammered out by the regulators, which should be published in June. And finally, my favourite museum in London, well, one of my two favourite museums in London, the Victoria and Albert, is going to be hosting the launch of the new stock exchange for art. Artex is going to be offering its first initial public offering for art in an event at the V&A Museum in London on May the 30th. Deals this week, not so many deals happening, but one completed deal very interesting from the Middle East. Tadawul of Saudi Arabia, Tadawul Advanced Solutions Company, Wamid, have announced the closing of the acquisition of Direct FN. 
If you're looking for some reading to try and fathom better what's happening in the world of finance markets and their structure these days, may I recommend my most recent book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World. It's a guide to understand effortlessly, painlessly and with a jolly good romping read, I think, how technology is affecting life and markets. 20 years on from the original fintech bestseller Capital Market Revolution, time to look at those loose strands hanging around which need a spot of perspective, whether you are an exchange parishioner, a fintech professional, or anybody just trying to stay abreast of where technology is now driving investments and finance. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Don't forget, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our live stream, Tuesday, 6pm London, 1 o'clock New York time. It's the IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube via IPO-vid. This week, we had a fabulous discussion with Philip Roscoe. He's a reader at the Historic St Andrews University in Scotland. He was discussing how to build a stock exchange, not the practical nuts and bolts. No, actually, that's what you email the likes of PLY for. And talk to me and my team in order to manage to build your marketplaces around the world. Rather, this was how to build a stock exchange, looking at the sociological factors all around it related to Philip's recent excellent book on the topic. Coming on Tuesday, we've got another fantastic show, IPO Vid 106 with Jeffrey Carter. He's going to be talking about his life's journey from the Merck floor to angel investing. Product news this week. The European Union is seeking more commodity trading scrutiny after the Ukraine war exposed risks. The EU, as always, of course, in well, the rather simplistic politicking mode that it exists in, seeking to shoot the traders while failing to understand the market. Hashtag idiocy as usual. We rated that in Exchange Invest this week. WTI Midland is now being reflected in Platt's Brent Complex. That's Platt's dated Brent, the world's most widely used physical crude oil benchmark, has begun reflecting US WTI Midland crude oil. Elsewhere, BME, the Spanish exchange, there in talks with global banks over euro swaps clearing. Six Group's Spanish CCP wants to establish itself as an alternative venue for onshore clearing of euro-related derivatives by 2025, which is, of course, the date when the European Union hopes to desperately shoehorn euro clearing onto the continent in a ludicrously protectionist measure, which I think harms fundamentally the euro the Eurozone and indeed the European Union, let alone the banks there and thereabouts. Technology news this week. Uh, Nasdaq have released the first of a series of new white papers on market infrastructure modernization. Defining your market infrastructure modernization strategy is now available to download from the Nasdaq website. Meanwhile, LSEG, they've selected OpenFin for the delivery of workspace platform to customer desktops. Regulation news this week. Well, it's worth looking at ESMA and the related issues pertaining to the withdrawal of recognition of six Indian clearing corporations, something we mentioned briefly last week, India lamenting the loss of their CCP recognition. In career paths, that story all about the Senate, two fascinating possible candidates, US SEC Chair Gary Gensler may run for a seat in Maryland. Unconfirmed rumours that the Baltimore native Gary Gensler might be looking at the seat which is being left by the retiring Senator Ben Cardin. 
That is totally unconfirmed, as I say, and seems possibly more like a sort of crypto dream rather than necessarily a plausible run at the moment, for all we know. However, there are actually tangible moves in Michigan. New York Stock Exchange senior executive John Tuttle is considering a run in his native state, albeit his plans are at an elementary stage. An interesting side point there is, of course, that the retiring Michigan senator, Debbie Stabelnoff, used to employ the current CFTC chairman, Roston Benham, in her private Senate office. Over at NZX, John McMahon has been reappointed as an NZX director. It's great to see an experienced hand able to return to serve on the NZX board as an independent NED. I'm also left to wonder, might this be a prelude to John McMahon's elevation to the chairmanship too, as James Miller's very productive term has now reached its conclusion, but is being temporarily extended due to the previous incoming candidate as chairman, Rob Hamilton, being unable to take up the position due to an inquiry into the casino, Crown Casino Group, that is, in Australia, which broke late last year. Great news from TMX, they announced a election of directors and that of course means the confirmation he's back ladies and gentlemen this is great news Luc Bertrand formerly the boss of the Montreal Exchange by far the most visionary person that well, at least the most visionary Canadian in Canadian market structure I believe he is going to now take over as chairman of TMX and I hope that's going to unleash an incredible process of growth in the TMX group Elsewhere, CME, they elected their slate of directors. Terence Duffy's back on for another term alongside, well, all the usual suspects. There was, however, one slight blip there. Concerns about executive remuneration bubbled to the surface last year. And thus, while there's an attempt to keep the Terry Gravy train going, they are nonetheless paying lip service to investor anks. Otherwise, the CME Politburo was returned without a hitch. New chairman for the Canadian Exchange Board of NASDAQ, Marianne Wiley, is stepping up there, succeeding Michael Foulkes, who chaired the board since 2018 and is retiring due to term limits. That leaves us, ladies and gentlemen, with an interesting insight this week. The US Mint's 2022 biennial report to Congress, which was released just last month, included the shocking news that it now costs more than a dime to mint a nickel, 10.4 cents to be precise. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, builder of markets the world over, publisher of Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. I wish you all a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.